0: You're listening to 91.7 FM, WSUW, in Whitewater, Wisconsin. You're listening to WSUW, 91.7 FM, in Whitewater, Wisconsin. This is Rashkin Report, and I'm your host, Yuri Rashkin. I'm excited to welcome back to the program, Professor of European University in St. Petersburg, Professor Ivan Kurila. Professor, welcome back to the program. Hello. (laughs) We had a a, a fun conversation about six months ago, and uh, I I will take a little bit later in the program a second to revisit, uh, because I think there were just interesting markers that were thrown out there, and we can compare the situation. To, uh, what it is today, but in a lot of ways, uh, the situation in, uh, in Russia and in Russian-American relations has developed quite substantially in the last six months. Um, for one, we are looking at a presidential election in the United States where, uh, for instance, in the vice presidential debate, uh, it seems like more time was spent on discussing Vladimir Putin and Russia than any other topic, uh, which uh, I'm not sure how, you know, living in the United States, I'm not sure how important, you know, overriding importance of Russia it is to our everyday existence. But nonetheless, that's what the, the debate was in the large part about, was about Russia and America and even Syria. Uh, so, Professor, what are your thoughts on uh, today's relationship between Russia and United States are we the is is this cold war number 2.0 is this something different how do you see the situation
1: okay I'm, you know this is a uh, frequent question these days uh, is it a cold war or not I still insist that there is a quite a new situation which is very different from what we uh, knew as a cold war because you know that that time we had a like bipolar uh, world we had a big sphere of influence of the ussr and we had a uh, a lot of other features which we don't have and the most important the soviet union had some ideology some plan for the future which was attractive for a part of for a big part of the world population and we don't have this type now russia does not uh, actually uh, offer anything like uh, communism or some other alternative uh, ideas about the future of the main humankind that's why that's why i don't think we are in the cold war or at least uh the cold war of the, in the traditional uh meaning of the word. so from my point of view what we have today is a is a big crisis yeah it's a really deep crisis in the russian-american relations and there's a big international crisis and uh this is uh Probably the worst period uh, of the Russian-American relations since the since the Cold War, but uh, we should either invent some new uh, name for it for the current situation, or just not use not use the old word uh, Cold War because it's it's misleading. If you uh, use the you know the concept which is not no more uh, doesn't doesn't exist anymore. Uh, You're uh, always you also trapped in the uh, old uh, ways of getting out of that, and what we have now it's a it's uh, from my point of view it's a very different situation. All
0: right. Uh, if, okay. If you if you want to, yeah,
1: <laughs> I, can, I, can, I can elaborate further. because you, know, you know you, you mentioned the VP, VP debate. So you mentioned that American. Uh, elections uh, recently yes and this is a part of the whole picture this is a part of the whole picture and probably vladimir putin used it uh consciously because it's on the, un- on the one hand uh presidential period of presidential elections makes uh well make some uh, american foreign policy uh, less less active yeah, because you know the one president in this case barack obama is uh, almost he's working this lame duck yeah and he 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 doesn't want probably to 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 make a like, severe uh, international crisis just uh, before the elections and and so this is a time when the united states objectively less uh, could be less uh, reactive to to what russia is doing and this is one the other side uh rhetorically uh presidential elections is a time when uh when everybody wants to have some you know uh some enemy to discuss this is an important thing if you if you want to blame your opponent uh it's better to to link your opponent to some common enemy and this is uh you know during the uh, big political debates everywhere uh having some big opponent abroad uh, is a vital very important thing uh, in rhetoric so uh russia was just a very convenient uh, place a place this convenient uh convenient enemy convenient significant other for for, for americans in these days and i uh could not understand fully why putin wants to to be like that probably you know for him it's it's also important domestically to, to say, you know, see, uh, United, the United States right now are concerned about, about Russia. It means that Russia is really big, really great again. It's my, my guess. Because uh, otherwise, I, I don't understand why uh, this crisis goes, goes such a direction.
0: Well, could it be that uh, for Putin, in his desire to be more meaningful player on the international stage, this, this fits um, it, it, You know, I think there's some really good arguments made that Putin isn't really concerned about uh, what's going on domestically in Russia and all of his energy is spent on furthering his standing in the world. Uh, now being the, you know, the main enemy of America, at least almost officially or technically or whatever, um, then maybe that suits uh, him because that gives him more leverage in negotiating a better deal for Russia slash himself.
1: Yeah, probably it's it's yeah uh, it's it's one of the possible explanations and uh, yeah this is uh, but well on the other hand you you should not forget about the domestic domestic problems because there are there are domestic problems because of the sanctions because of the do you think
0: do you think Putin is paying attention or do you think he just appoints people to deal with domestic issues and he doesn't really care?
1: Uh on, on what on uh do, about,
0: about about domestic issues. Do you think that domestic issues really do matter to Putin? I st-
1: I think it's, they, they they do matter matter to okay. Putin. It's okay. still, yeah, because, you know, uh, the real threat or real danger for his power should be only domestic. It's probably not a democracy and not a people in the streets like Balotnay, because he, he efficiently uh, suppresses those type of protests. But, you know, with all of the sanctions in the air, with all of the problems of, of those people around the top, top elites, He probably feels unsafe. Probably feels unsafe, and we saw just recently big movement in, in the you know this uh, creation of new presidential guard and uh, creation of some movement of uh, FSB and uh, MVD, you know
0: Ministry of. of, you know, uh, uh, professor, you I know. just, I just kind of sense that there's two kinds of concerns about the, the local pro, the domestic problems that Putin has or can have because there's issue of economy and there's issue of security. And it seems like he is very acutely uh, aware of this of the security for himself, like you said, the national guard, all of those uh, you know the the increased censorship um he's concerned about that, but he is but is he concerned about actually improving the life of russian people
1: no i well uh I don't th- I don't think that uh, the improvement uh, improving uh, life of russian people is a primary concern for him but it may uh, it may be a factor in uh, in elite de- defection you know if there is a big unrest uh, because of the economic hardship if there are sporadic uh, protests uh, not from the Moscow intelligence, but from people like you know these uh, truck drivers or farmers, which we will already happened recently. Uh, and this, if if such a protest will be significantly you know uh, increasing in numbers and in the quantity of participants, that may be a factor of the some elite defection. And this is something that uh, Putin's probably. Uh, Cares about, and from this point of view, he he indeed needs to to keep uh, you know some level of uh, of of, you know some level of economic uh, hardship uh, within the uh, within the controllable
0: uh, you know frames. So so he is concerned about the economy to the extent that it can cause him to lose power through an unrest.
1: Yes. Yes. Not. Mm-hmm. I I think so. This is my, my view.
0: Of sure. Um, okay. So we have this guy running for president named Donald Trump, and uh, how do Russian people feel about him? Mm-hmm. Okay, Russian people are different, of course. You know, yeah. there are <laughs> no and only there from are... here they they are the same. Like if you would ask me how do American people, well, there's a lot of them. But uh, how do um, what what kind of trends are there in in Russian society to about uh, when it comes to Donald Trump?
1: Okay, there are, uh, Russian society uh, also split, maybe not as, as deeply as American uh, towards uh, Trump and these uh, this elections in the United States, but yeah, you know, for, for Russia, these American elections make an interesting uh, spectacle, uh, spect- you know, interesting play, I would say, and uh, Trump okay uh, there are people who think that the trump could be a good choice for Russia which I, I personally don't 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 believe but well there there is a pretty widespread uh, impression about Trump that Trump is a person from a business who can make deals and he probably would be you know eager to make a deal with Russia and to get out of this uh, crisis and this is Part of part of the idea. Some people compare Trump to Russian Zhirinovsky and you know this is erratic politicians with, uh, you know, very we uh, with a love to overstatements on on, on anything with. A, uh, very populist uh, view and you know this is a frequent comparison that trump is like american jerinowski uh there are also other people who said that trump is a dangerous person he's uh, uh, not responsible he's uh, unreliable and if he come to power everything can be getting worse including the relations between russia and the united states because trump can can rely on some you know hardliners in this, his foreign policy, and no matter what he is saying right now during the presidential campaign, he will need to to hire some you know some experts for the foreign policy affairs, and he will hire them. From the right-wing uh, hardliners, and this is also the, the, the view on the Trump. So it's uh, different, different attitudes. Personally, he, yeah, personally he looks more like, well, like stable, like Zirinowski, But not everybody believes that he's. This is kind of a real uh, Trump. It's maybe like a, you know actor playing this type of role, and people doesn't believe the sincerity of. Of of Zirinowski, and probably they do not um, believe in sincerity of Trump and this is probably a difference with uh, much of the American opinion who believes in Trump's sincerity, which is yeah, which is a difference.
0: All right. Well, Zhirinovsky also never had actual power because he's always been leader of opposition party, and uh, and Trump could very well have real real power as president of the United States, and that's where looking at a politician who is running around making erratic statements versus a political leader who has power and is still erratic, um, I think there could be some uh, differences. For instance, if Zhirinovsky became president of Russia, um, people's, do you think, you know, it's, it's just kind of a maybe moot discussion, but would people's opinion of him change to more negative if he had actual influence and actual power?
1: Oh, you know, it was uh, we're getting back to the '90s when when there w- there were some uh, you know p- people were scared that Zerinovsky would come to power. Now nobody believed that he ever. Well, now it's impossible, but uh, for, for a long time already, people understand that Zerinovsky actually plays uh, you know in in plays all of his political uh, all of his politics in in favor of the ruling party. So he is just a. Uh, more uh, erratic, more populist version of the ruling party, and that's why he is not an opposition. in opposition. In reality, he is not in opposition. But yeah, probably, people would be much afraid. And back in the nineties, if you remember, in 1993, I think during when the uh, during the first elections to Duma, to State Duma under the new constitution of Russia, when jerinovsky party uh, won a significant portion of the. Uh, russian votes especially in the far east and that was a shocking news for uh, people in moscow that Zelensky could be so influential and because and if you if you remember that uh, who was that uh, uh, some of the russian intelligence intelligence leader who said that russia you're getting mad when it's, you know, when, when Jelinovsky, uh, when the news about Jelinovsky victory uh, first arrived. And that was the first reaction. Since that, of course, it's already more than 20 years, and people get, uh, in, in, well, uh, Dzenovsky is like an, an old, an old uh, guy on the, on the stage at, uh, kind of playing his role, and nobody really considers him as a serious politician. Or uh, otherwise, the whole pol- politics in Russia is getting more like a play. And this is the difference with, with the United States. Yes, if Trump uh, will come to power, well, uh, I don't know. There are, there are, you know, there are uh, most of the uh, conversations here about Trump are about Trump and Russia. Would Trump make any change uh, in the American-Russian politics? Not about what Trump will do to America. And maybe some of the people could say that Trump may damage America and this is good for Russia. This is also part of the conversation.
0: All right. How do you feel? Uh, well, let's let's do a quick reset. This is WSUW 91.7 FM, The Edge in Whitewater, Wisconsin. You're listening to Rashkin Report, and I'm your host, Yuri Rashkin. Uh, my guest today is Professor of European University in St. Petersburg, uh, Dr. Yvonne Kurilla. Uh, professor... What are your thoughts on the developing situation with syria uh, there's there's a crisis in in every way, but now Russia seems to have been after declaring that it pulled out of Syria, it appears that it very much stayed and it actually lately stepped up its role in that conflict uh, to the point of uh, being accused of committing war crimes. Um, what consequences do you see? How did Russia get involved in this, um, and and what was it hoping to accomplish, and what is it likely to accomplish at this point?
1: Okay, uh, Russia had already accomplished uh, significant uh, foreign policy gains in Syria since the beginning. If you remember, it all started when Russia was looked uh, like completely isolated after Ukraine after uh malaysia boeing downing and all of that uh tragic stuff in in in, in ukrainian affairs so uh, and uh, after getting back to syria uh russia forced uh, the united states and Europeans even to to get back to the talks uh with russia so it was a very efficient way to get out of this isolation uh, international isolation so that was the first stage And uh, today we are reaching a really dangerous uh, situation when both uh, Russia and the United States had a significant uh, involvement into Syrian affairs. And uh, I couldn't remember any uh, situation like that even during the Cold War when either one country was involved and the other just played, you know, helped to the opposition, like in in Vietnam or Afghanistan, but never two countries were significantly militarily involved in the same country at the same time. And that is a uh, very uh, fragile situation. It's vulnerable to any uh, accidentally even uh, you know, shooting to to each other planes and some of the you know general staff uh, members in russia did not exclude it and american military also speaks about that and this is a this is a really really dangerous situation and uh yeah and this uh, from this uh, point of view of course Syria is uh, is something that should be uh, you know russia and the united states and probably syrian different Syrian parts should should find some way to to uh, to decrease the decrease the situation which i don't know how to do it's, it's a it's a way of- for politicians to, or diplomats to, to find a solution. But, yeah, uh, despite the fact that this is a very dangerous situation for Russia, it's uh, also the situation when uh, Russia uh, proved that it is uh, still a significant uh, player. Uh, it's maybe a disruptive player, but it's a significant player in the world stage. And this is also something that Putin could consider uh, his uh, diplomatic success. You know that uh, for 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 long, uh, Russians' claims and Russian, uh, you know, Russian concerns were uh, ignored by the United States, and now no more it's, could be ignored, and this is something that some message that uh, Putin de- uh, delivered to, to the Russian audience. And it's also delivers it to the Western audience and despite the fact that it's, it's a kind of unfun terrible uh, message but it's uh, it's still uh, it still plays plays the role of uh, that probably putin wants to, to, to you know to, to, to get so it's, it's
0: kind of like as, as long as they spell your name right there's no bad publicity um Probably like that. Yeah. So, uh, what about the 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 Aleppo the the fact that uh, Russians are bombing uh, and are being now accused of war crimes? And um, do you think that uh, Kremlin is concerned about this, or is just kind of like par for the course? Well, yes. When we walked into the store, we're going to destroy some dishes and break some you know break some things, and now we're being presented with a bill, but we were never planning on paying in the first place, so we don't really care. You know. Okay. Uh,
1: yeah and, uh, I, I cannot say for, for kremlin here i don't say yeah i don't know what is their attitude it looks much uh maybe even less uh less dangerous or less important for kremlin than like malaysia boeing which was uh probably hit by accident but still uh, kremlin does not recognize uh, its involvement in that uh, and uh, that is also uh, the case. Well, I think nobody thinks that it was made uh, like a specifically targeted the uh, civilian objects. It probably was just an inefficient targeting system or something like that. But uh, uh, in this case, uh, what military has done and what dipl- diplomats are now saying about it, it's it's usually a different thing. They begin to find some sense or some explanation in the case which was probably just a you know, military uh, you know, weapon mistake or I don't know what would happen. But this is my guess. I'm not uh, actually the deep, deep uh, specialist in Syrian uh, confrontation. I'm, I'm judging about this from a more general point of view of Russian-American relations.
0: Absolutely. Is, uh, mm-hmm. Okay. Now, you brought up something that I think is very important and that's the denials uh, by... Uh, Russian government of uh, this, that, and the other. I mean, they really deny pretty much everything that they're being accused of for the last several years. And I think that for people in Russia, that's par for the course. They expect uh, the press secretary for Putin to or whoever, whatever official, to deny. They That's what the policy has been. But it looks a little strange in the Western uh, media when something happens and then they say that uh, Russian Ministry of Defense is um, say, is denying this. And they presume that both sides are equal, like both have some kind of evidence and some kind of information that they're basing this on, um, while ignoring that uh, denials for Russian government have been a matter of policy more than any specific uh, incident. Um, or how do you feel that uh, people in the West should treat the information that's coming out of Kremlin? Should they, uh, should they look at it uh, as, as an equal, um, trustworthy source? Should they look at it with a grain of salt? Should they discard it automatically? What, how should people treat the information that's coming out of uh, Kremlin?
1: Uh, you know, first of all, uh, I would distinguish. Uh, there are different uh, types of information coming out of Kremlin. There is a you know total propaganda for domestic audience, which is most of it, especially in the sensible in the you know in, in the issues which are uh, sensitive for, for for the Kremlin are you know almost totally. Uh, destroy you know uh, distorted and this is a uh, something uh, which which could not be believed uh, if you speak about the uh, Crimean information targeted to the Western audience it's uh, it's more complicated it's more sophisticated uh, type of, of, of information because it's yeah it's definitely consistent well, include some lies yeah, or, or denials more more denials than lies but yeah uh, and this is uh, part of it, uh, but it also uh, there also includes there is also some information which actually uh, kind of a message to the Western audience, and it sometimes may be interesting to, to understand what kind of message Kremlin uh, wants to deliver. And this is not as easy as to to, to say that everything is propaganda, because there was also or uh, well, from my point of view there was some. Uh, some ideas behind of, of, of every uh, of everything what what has happened during the last two years about uh, like complaints of the West behavior of the two decades of uh, mistreatment of Russia all of these complaints. I had at least you know some some reason to, to be but uh, today nobody will uh, listen to, for putin uh repeating that complaint because he already made so ba- so many bad things in the inter- internationally and domestically i would say that uh, from his mouth its all sounded uh, hypocritical but uh whatever, whatever happened next and whoever will and wh- whenever will replace uh russian president there are some concerns that should be revisited revisited, uh, revisited, just in order to not not uh, get in Russia back into situation of uh, uh, of, of uh, feeling humiliated, and this is at least part of the information that Kremlin wanted to deliver. And probably too late, too, too too small, but well, there is something which which uh, which is it, uh, which which has a ground, which has a foundations, and I I don't want to dismiss everything that Kremlin tried to deliver to the Western public as a just complete. it's it's it would be not not just
0: professor ideology in russia and ideology well just the subject of ideology something that i hear regularly come up in discussions and conversations about today's russia and it seems like as as you mentioned there's a consensus uh, by a lot of people that there is seems to be a lack of ideology. there is no communism, there is no socialism that Russia is defending or proposing as an alternative idea to the world. therefore it's unsustainable, therefore something has to change. therefore you know there is a central idea that's missing. It seems to me that there there are central ideas because there have to be. There's an idea of personal enrichment. Um, which plays out through incredible level of corruption, and there's also idea of fear, uh, which I think it plays out through everyday uh, how people treat each other, how people treat media, how people just uh, communicate and and behave. Um, don't those uh, ideas qualify as ideology, in your opinion?
1: Uh, of course, no, of course, not. Uh, there is, uh, you know, we can probably speak about the uh, traditionalism, some conservative ideas as a replacement for ideology with the rise of the uh, influence of uh, Russian Orthodox Church, uh, the rise of the uh, so-called traditional, uh, well, pro-tra- pro-traditional conservative legislation uh, and, uh, you know, all of the attempts to to restrict uh, Restrict uh, rights of uh, gay and lesbian to restrict women's uh, rights, and all, all of this stuff is uh, discussed. And this is more like a, like ideology for current Russia. But what you say about personal enrichment? Well, uh, it it was for a while back in the nineties a kind of. Uh, uh, you know kind of ideology for a new russia, but not now I don't think that now people are really believe it's possibility and personal enrichment it's more like a, a career in the state which can make you both powerful and uh, rich, but you cannot enrich yourself in business and in, for instance, so it's more no it's less about about uh, wealth it's more about the belonging to the strong state, which is a different different story. And the fear is, uh, actually, it's about the same thing, about the big, uh, penetrating uh, state which is everywhere. And this is uh, more traditional to Russian Russian history, which is, uh, again, which is not the case. We still, Russian state today is not the Soviet Union. It's still less uh, omnipotent. It still cannot uh, cut everything which which was uh, prohibited in, in, in the Soviet Union we still can, can you know we, we can still speak to you i can i can speak out what I, what i'm really thinking about there, about russia which is probably was believable like 40 years ago but uh, still there is an attempt an attempt to increase the power, power of the state increase of the stateist uh, you know increase of the State uh, capacities, uh, vis-à-vis the uh, Russian people, vis-à-vis the freedoms of the speech, the freedoms of uh, you know movement, and uh, all of that, freedoms of conscience. So this is uh, something which uh, could be called an attempt to to to, to re some ideology. But this is not an ideology in the old, good uh, meaning of communism or capitalism or whatever uh, we call ideology back
0: in the 20th century patriotism is it what does that qualify as ideology or imp- the feeling of building an empire
1: okay patriotism not not empire yet. Yeah. it's you know there are people who wants to build an empire but uh, it's not it's not official i would say not not there. patriotism is uh, closer yeah patriotism is closer but
0: uh well um but the problem with uh, patriotism, it doesn't attract foreigners because this is something that should get Russians excited about Russia, but not necessarily anybody else. Yeah, exactly. This is the difference. It's a difference. That's what we we started our conversation today with. That, that
1: there is no this is not a Cold War too. Just because the Cold War means that uh, Russia. Offer something uh, attractive for, for the rest of the mankind, and uh, nothing. Uh, what I mentioned, uh, patriotism, less than others, even less than the traditional values, uh, can be attractive. Okay, there are some people in Europe uh, who are also like uh, traditional or very conservative, and they probably would also join the Ru- join Russian attempts to restore conservatism. But they are not as powerful, not as uh, You know, not as, uh, well, all all these traditional values uh, are about the past, not about the future. And uh, communism was about the future,
0: and this is a big difference. All right, fine. I will just make one more stab in trying to establish an attempted at ideology. What about anti-Americanism? There, you know, if we live in, if we don't live in a bipolar world, and, and the world is more singular, uh, where United States is the only superpower, or at least West, and uh, you know, European Union maybe is part of it um, with those darn Western values, can Russia be the flagship, or present itself to the world as the flagship of anti-Americanism? And and therefore offering something to people who are uh, other than Russians.
1: Okay, I would uh, ask this: what, what 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 is anti-Americanism? Is it uh, the you know ideas uh, against American ideas, or saying like you know anti-democracy, anti-republican, anti-liberty? And it's what? more anti or, one or anti- co- anti- one country anti- perceiving
0: anti- to being perceived anti- as having control over other countries.
1: Okay, is uh, it's more like a geopolitics. It's nothing to do with ideology. It's more like a strategic geopolitical vision that there are some balance uh, to to the United States, which actually may make some sense for Europeans. You know that European view of the international relations for centuries was a balance of power. If somebody getting too. Uh, too influential or too powerful, or too mighty, like for, for sometimes France or Germany, the others uh, you are uniting against it. It's like a European concert uh, idea of international relations. So from this point of view, there is a there could be f- uh, found some you know some sympathy in Europeans and getting some alliance against. Too powerful, the United States. But it's we are no, what, what we are discussing is more uh, hypothetical. I don't see any real. Uh, sympathy in, in in Europe toward what Putin is doing. Putin is doing it too abruptly, too unilaterally. Uh, it's it 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 was more like that during the beginning of Iraqi war when you know uh, both Germany and France uh, did not uh, supported the United States in the start of Iraqi war. And that time it looks like you know European concept against or critical to the United States uh, was. was Almost to emerge, we don't see anything like that right now. We don't see that uh, the world is ready to unite uh, with Russia with Putin in its, uh, you know, resistance to American influence. It's not. It doesn't work. All
0: right. You're listening to WSUW, 91.7 FM, The Edge in Whitewater, Wisconsin. This is Rashkin Report, and I'm your host, Yuri Rashkin. My guest is uh, Professor Yvonne Kurilla, who is a professor uh, at the European University in St. Petersburg. We're discussing uh, the Russian-American relations. And uh, since we did mention Donald Trump, it would be only fair to say that there is somebody running against him, and uh, several people, actually. And uh, one of them, with the best chance to beat him currently, is Hillary Clinton. Um, what, Professor, how does Russian public tend to view or what are the different trends as we've uh, discussed earlier? There's no singular view of anything by group of people, more than one, um, of uh, Hillary Clinton. How is she being viewed? Um, what are concerns that people have about her? What are some hopes that they may have about her as well?
1: Uh, Well, Hillary Clinton is uh, viewed as a more uh, like mainstream uh, candidate, Uh, even uh, you know more like more you know more usual person to to run for for presidency. Despite the fact that she is the first woman uh, with a good chances to be to to be to become a president, still she is more of a uh, like an old American elite. Background and she is, uh, she was a first lady for eight years, and so this is less surprises that could be, uh, you know, that that Russians could could away from her. She is considered to be a very uh, tough uh, person, and people uh, some some Russians are afraid that her policy toward Russia will be tougher than Barack Obama's was, and that she will uh, make uh, Putin some you know some bad. Uh, to to feel badly uh, when she should become a president. And there is also uh, some personal critique of her people, you know, people... I, I, I don't see many Russians who feel sympathy to her personally, but it's, uh, well, I don't know. It should be probably partially because she is a uh, career woman and uh, Russia is a still more traditional society and she doesn't look like an ideal Russian uh, woman, you know, and this is something like something in, in sexist uh, Russian be- uh, attitude towards her. Maybe because uh, she, she, she was a professional politician and it's also part of the. Uh, you know, very, very much of a professional politician, and people don't uh, don't believe your sincerity. And this is also a part of uh, of, of uh, discussions in Russia about her herself. Uh, but uh, yeah, mostly, mostly the division uh, about about uh, Hillary was among those who think that she is uh, still better than Trump uh, because she is more predictable than Trump, and this is. Mm-hmm. For, for good, and those who think that uh, she can make Russia uh, Russian life much worse uh, with being tougher in, in in sanctions or maybe even even in, in a military uh, resistance to to Russian uh, you know to, to Russian foreign policy today, and uh, from this point of view, uh, there are fears about about uh, Hillary. This is major major uh, division, but yeah, uh, she is actually she is attracting less uh, attention than Trump does. This is for sure.
0: Yes, and uh, there's there's I even mean, a theory here in, in the United States that she is doing better during the election when she is less visible. So mm-hmm. maybe that uh, works the same way in Russia. Um, professor, do you feel that, I think that what this election and uh, the this What seems to me like I'm surprised by how much time is being spent discussing Russia, because even though I find the subject fascinating, I thought that there was a small number of people that cared. Turns out that the number is rapidly growing. Do you feel that Russia is a threat to the United States? And if so, in what ways? Or Or maybe it's not.
1: Well, in in one profound uh, way, uh, the Russia is still the country which uh, still have the big pile of the nuclear you know, uh, weapons, and from this point of view, it also always a threat in terms of its possibilities, its capacities uh, to destroy America. It's it was so during the Cold War. It was after the Cold War, and it's still there. And from this point of view, it's maybe a threat uh, in uh, in the situation of current. International relations. I don't think that Russia is a threat to America. It's doesn't uh, actually uh, the country that really wants to start a war against the United States. No, no su- su- suicidal uh, behavior or new suicidal. Uh, uh, swords, uh can be traced in Kremlin or anywhere. From this point of view this is not a, this is not a threat and this is not a, uh, a real. Uh, but the, it's interesting what you said about the uh, American uh, attitude, American attitude to Russia. This is, You know, I, I uh, tend to explain the Russian-American relations from the constructivist point of view and from the constructive point of view both uh, american politicians and russian politicians needed to have some uh, foreign threat and they inflate the real threat yes putin is a bad guy but it's not as big uh, to, to, to make to make uh, russia real real threat to america but uh, it's uh it was in, in the interest of putin and in the interest of american uh, politicians to inflate this threat uh, just to make uh, you know make a bold statement uh, against uh, each other to make uh, to accuse the uh, opponent in being pro-Russian in an American way or being pro-American in, in Russian case. And this is something which always uh, is, is doing, and
0: any yeah, well,
1: politician is doing uh, in, in both countries.
0: Do you feel that Russia then is not a threat because it's not practical for Russian leaders to actually attack United States? Or is it because Russia is practically unable to attack United States?
1: Well, I think both. Uh, well, I mean, technically, technically, again, there, Russia still has rockets and bombers and, and nukes, but it doesn't mean that anybody wants to use it. And this is yeah, uh, it's it's something very far from from the reality. No, no, no real. Uh, you know, I, I I could not imagine any Russian military or civil politicians or who. who so, so,
0: it, so I guess rather than nuclear weapons being the cherry on top of a mighty Russian pie, uh, cher- the nuclear weapons are now the entire pie. Uh, yeah, yeah,
1: probably, yes. It's, it's the only thing that Russia can, can, can actually uh, play with on the international stage. This is, yeah, you know, what, what uh, Putin is doing in Ukraine or in Syria is partially because he knows that, he, that Russia cannot be attacked as well just because of this uh, nukes. And thus, you know, uh, nobody can uh, believe that Russia can be a target of like American uh, American expedition or American, uh, American bombing because Russia is, you know, the only country that can destroy the United States. But this is more of a guarantee for Putin in his uh, foreign policy uh, endeavors uh, then the real, uh, threat, the real idea to, to, to attack first or something like that. It's, it's unbelievable that, uh, Putin ever will consider this, this type of foreign policy.
0: What about hackers? Uh, the, you know, we, we've seen this on several occasions, including probably at this point, most famously, uh, the break-in into Democratic National Committee, not Watergate, but this year when, uh, old sorts of emails, uh, compromising the relationship between, uh, well, within the Democratic Party, uh, were leaked and, uh, FBI stated that they felt that there was a, uh, you know, Russian track there, but, um, how, what are your thoughts on uh, whether Russia is able or interested in inflicting damage on America this way? Should we all be changing our passwords, uh, using better encryption software, or, or what? Okay, I can't rule
1: it out. And of course, uh, if, you, if you change your password frequently, it's, be, it's better for your security. Even if there is no Russia in, involved, it's, you know, uh, some some hackers may. may Regardless of
0: Russia, brush your teeth. Regardless okay. Of,
1: yeah and this is a uh, i can rule uh, i cannot rule, rule out the russian uh, trace but again it may be anybody else you know like trump said it may be china or i don't know it may be some uh, domestic uh, domestic people like I don't know, julian Assange or uh, whoever uh, and uh, some, somebody who, who who was doing it for, for for any for a variety of reasons so this is uh, i was surprised that uh russia came out so earlier in the investigation because it was most from my point of view it's more uh about uh, this construction of a big threat if you can attribute everything to russia it plays better than if you find in in one case it's russia in other case it's a domestic hackers and the third ways in some case in the chain or somebody else and this is uh, you know, it's uh, spread your attention. But if you can attribute everything bad to Russia, it uh, makes you easier not to answer the uh, the uh, the questions which are which can be can be raised. Because yep you know, those leaks actually exposed some of the wrongdoing of, of some American politicians. And you know, the first response was, "Oh, those Russians!" Uh, it, it looks like if you if you found that those leaks uh, were. Uh, Russian uh, Russian hackers, you can you can actually behave politically as as you did, or miss you know this is this is something you know the the cry about Russia uh, sometimes looks like a, a way of uh, a tra- of uh, taking your attention away from the from the case from from the what leaked actually but again i cannot rule out the russian russian case but well it's not always clear what the russian uh, interest in those elections somebody some, some say that trump uh, is uh, trump victory is in russian uh it would be in russian favor but i really i really doubt that it
0: is that you know okay it's Professor, then uh, I guess the last uh, question that I – well, the two last questions that I wanted to ask you – Um, When we spoke in March, we discussed the possibility of Lenin being carried out of mausoleum and reburied or buried for the first time. And uh, you mentioned that if that occurred, that would signal some major change in Russian policy because, you know, that that would be a very revolutionary gesture. And the current uh, regime is not likely to engage in revolutionary gestures. Um, how cl- much closer do you feel we are to K- Lenin being carried out? Are we exactly where we were six months ago, or has anything changed? Has, is he any closer to the exit? <laughs> yeah,
1: I, you know, actually, my, my, my opinion, I will I should correct you a little bit, because I saw that uh, the uh, not not the burial of, of Lenin would be a revolutionary uh, gesture, but uh, it will be the... Um, it will be the signal that the russia is close to some revolutionary situation because this type of big symbolic uh, events or some decisions uh big symbolic decisions could be made only to to let people uh, you know change it's change its agenda of discussion to to, to the to begin to speak about lenin uh, mausoleum and lenin burial instead of speaking about the crisis uh, economic hardship or need or need of political change and from this point of view we are still probably at the same position where we we were in the, in march uh, because uh, i don't see any any uh, you know any, any features uh, of uh, any hints of the growing unrest right now but maybe somewhere deep uh, in the Russian economic situation there are some you know hidden, hidden earthquake and or first, first features from this point of view yeah uh, the Lenin could be buried at the point when the government will decide that this is something really bad uh, coming which is not yet
0: the case. All right. And then uh, the final question is uh, something that I've uh, kind of made a regular feature on the show is what are you hoping for? You know, it it seems like we, we, you know, so much time is spent on either trying to understand what's going on or trying to analyze what's going on. But, you know, we're all humans and we have some kind of aspirations and hopes so, in terms of Russian-American relations, or uh, or even in terms of Russia alone, um, what are you, what are you hoping for, Professor?
1: Okay, you know I'm a historian. I, I know that uh, Russian and whatever history. Uh, you're, you're
0: professionally trained to look back.
1: Professionally, yeah, to look to look you know long uh, by lo- long duration. French said in the longer longer periods by, to sink by longer periods and uh, you know uh, we always had this cycle cycles of reforms and uh, counter-reforms so of the stagnation and the rapid development and now we are in a situation of stagnation of uh, counter-reforms so of reaction and those uh, those part of the cycles always uh, coincided with a bad relations between Russia and the United States and I just hope that this part of the cycle is close to its end. I hope that we will soon get back to the modernization agenda back to the uh, reformist, reformist way getting to better relations with the United States. It's always getting hand to hand. It's always getting uh, we inevitably get back to that to that point uh, like you know the cycle was always this you know big wheel will always finish its uh, turn but I hope it will be rather sooner than you know in, in a longer distance I cannot predict when it happened but uh, my hope you ask for hope my hope it, it should be uh, you know just uh, around the corner
0: Professor Kurilla thank you so much for being on the program thank you very much You're listening to 91.7 FM, WSUW, in Whitewater, Wisconsin. You're listening to Rashkin Report.